Well, hello, and hello. welcome to season 29, episode 3 of Happy Technology Podcast. <laughs> My name is Stu. And I'm still Kurt. <laughs> in this episode of Happy Technology Podcast, Michael from Pittsburgh writes in about running games in a modern setting, and Aimless sends us a question, kind of a horror story, about a GM as a player. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Flurp! We do the show live at 10 a.m. Plus well, or minus seven minutes. Our first version we do at 10 a.m. Our second version we do at 10.07 right. a.m. Pacific that, time. That first version is real short. It was extremely short. <laughs> at happyjacks.org slash live. All right. Running games in a modern setting. From Michael in Pittsburgh. First time email... Uh, greetings, Michael from Pittsburgh. Uh, first time email f- from myself, longtime fan. Thank you. I want to start by saying your show's help helped me through the worst COVID cleaning at the hospital I work at. Mm. Uh, this leads me to starting a work game where we would play on our lunch breaks playing 30 minutes at a time. Which we commented earlier. It's that's I mean that's our bullshit sessions. Yeah, or or forty five minutes. Right. Uh, in fact, we just started our second campaign set in a gothic fantasy land where the PCs play <clears throat> as classical movie monsters trying to find and recruit the Lords of Edge. Uh, these games are fun, but they're sort of shorts. But these short sessions are well short. They want to play outside of work. No problem, I say. How do y'all feel about playing a superhero game set in our city? In fact, oh, I read Pittsburgh the same is paragraph. a great city for that. Yes, pro- I would imagine. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I've never, never been, there. been there, but <laughs> its name is great for that. I mean, it's the pits. <laughs> that the old steel industry there, right? Yeah, yeah it's it. Well, it's, I I don't know if it still is, but yeah, I mean, it's it was it's, once upon it's a kind time. of the 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 capital of the Rust Belt. I mean, right, right. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, it, it's it's. A, I always feel like a, a superhero city should have that kind of grittiness to it, right? Um, that kind of blue collar a- uh, aspect. To mm-hmm. it. I agree. Much more than Philly, for instance, has. Right. With wide-eyed glee, they jump at the bit and start telling me the superpowers they want their characters. They went and their character ideas. This is great, but thinking on it, I've never run a real world setting before and can use some advice from the pros. Thank you for the content and stay safe, Michael. Well, we're certainly not poets, so we must be pros. <laughs> hey, yo. Uh, so, my first, my first thought on this is um, you know your hometown. I'm assuming that you know your hometown, whether you grew up there or you've just lived there for long enough and you feel comfortable. With the idea of you know the, your town well enough. That being said, exaggerate everything. Mm-hmm. Superhero mm-hmm. games are they—they they are best when they are four-color, uh, you know, comic book, just punching people through walls kind of kind of thing. And you want to exaggerate everything. You want to exaggerate the bad as well as the good. 
um, in order to just give everything a heightened sense of importance and um, and moment. I would say that especially if you're running in a, in your city, you have a massive advantage in that you know it intimately well. Mm-hmm. Why make up the coffee house that the party is going to meet someone at? Exactly. Use the one that that, yeah. that, that everyone knows that's around the corner from the hospital, right. and like and and include real people as NPCs. Yeah. And this is a golden opportunity to to like make an extremely immersive setting in a fictional game. Tip on using real people as NPCs. Um, if there's somebody that your your players and you collectively don't like at work, don't include them in your game. <laughs> it will get out. It, oh, it, yeah. that, 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 that people will talk, tongues will wag. It is just the way things happen, and and it just use public per, uh, public figures. Public figures are are perfectly fine. And you won't get hit with a defamation lawsuit. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that could that could be pro- that could be a problem. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> yeah, that, that that that's about one bit. Right. One other bit of advice. There. The the um, but I mean, all of your locations, you already know where they are. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. And you already have a cast of NPCs, and especially if it's like businesses around where you work that everyone knows. Yeah, that it it just makes it the whole thing more authentic. The other yeah. thing I think that for modern games, and and then this may may be something that people of a younger generation don't need to worry about as much because they grew up with it, is be ready for the internet and the fact that everyone has the sum of human knowledge in their on their phone, yep. and they're going to use it. Yep. Um, Absolutely. The. So, so any mysteries that you want to have, they have to be made out of whole cloth. It can't be mysteries that, like, you looked up on a Wikipedia page because guess what? Mm-hmm. Someone else can look it up on a Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can also use that though. You can yes. use the internet as a prop. Oh, you absolutely. I've done can. that a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, last time I ran a superhero game, I um, one uh, they they came across someone who had the the classic conspiracy red twine board right, right? um and uh uh they found a, a sheet of paper that just had a list of coordinates uh-huh. latitude and longitude coordinates and so one of my players dug out her laptop pulled up google earth and started typing in the coordinates to figure out where all these places were because there were, it was only coordinates there were no names no no it was nothing and as she was putting in the the coordinates, she's like, "Okay, so that's that's somewhere in New Mexico. That's those two are in Japan. That one's in Pennsylvania. That one's in uh, oh, that that one's Chernobyl. Oh, <laughs> so they were all they were all uh, 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 sites of." Uh, oh, that, oh, that was like that one. That one's uh, uh, Bikini Atoll, right? <laughs> so it was like they were all sites of nuclear detonate or yeah, nuclear yeah. problems. Well, it's not used. problems, uh, but but uh, I mean, yeah, there were not all of them events. were detonations. Uh, nuclear events, <laughs> yes, exactly. So it was like uh, Hiroshima, Nagasaki, uh, White Sands, um, uh, 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 Pripyat slash Chernobyl, Three Mile Island. Right. Um, and then there were a couple of other locations, and they were listed in chronological order. Mm-hmm. So, like, White Sands was first, right? And and so on down the line. And then there were, like, three sets of coordinates where 
to the player's knowledge, no nuclear event had ever happened, and one of them was Disney World. <laughs> awesome. So, specifically Magic Kingdom, Disney World. Uh, specifically, I think it was uh, uh, Frontierland. Okay. Because Tomorrowland was too on point. Right. <laughs> the and the, the other thing about cell phones is that that's a great way, especially if you're you're running a superhero game. That's a great way for the player's good deeds and bad deeds to go viral. Oh my god, yes! And it, it's a fantastic way to get accountability. Like if your players are supposed to be heroic, mm-hmm. and there's not, and, and at times they're not acting heroic. Well, it takes this one bystander with a cell phone who's yep. streaming it up to TikTok or something, and next thing you know, you've got an eight second video of you being an ass that everyone gets to see. I, I, I'm thinking of uh, two things I've watched recently: uh, SAS Rise of the Black Swan, mm-hmm. um, which is essentially about a a, 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 a a psychopath hunting another psychopath. Oh, cool. Um, but it's like a good guy psychopath hunting a bad guy, or get bad girl so, mm-hmm. sociopath. Uh, psychopath. Um, but it, it, it does, a lot of the plot does center around the fact that somebody was at the site of where bad psychopath did their thing with a phone camera and posted it to the internet. Right. And it's like, you were supposed to be clandestine. You are now world famous. <laughs> You dick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then the other one is, you you pointed me if this was clickbait, mm-hmm. which I'm now like five episodes in on, and uh, very much... It's good. It's good. It's creepy. I mean, it's a Rashomon series um, that just, like, yeah, it's finding all these clues from different from oh. different points of view. And that's another thing that you can incorporate into a mo- any modern setting, really, because you've got... You've got bloggers out there, and you've got social media out there, and you can create private social media sites. You've also got private social media accounts. Web, dark web. You got dark web. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, you can you can create these things fairly easily, um, fairly on the cheap, and uh, you know, sort of going back to our our favorite use of newspapers. But Mm -hmm. newspapers now are are blog sites and such. So. Uh, and social media, so... You know, that, I'm thinking about that... Uh, what is protection.org? Right. Clickbait <laughs> would be a fantastic story to steal for a superhero game, uh, too. That's what I was planning on doing. <laughs> I wasn't planning on doing that at all. That wasn't... If any of my players were... What, uh, the, damn it! <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, so, uh, is that a... I'm trying to think of more, more to know about... Oh, oh and obviously, you have to incorporate Three River Stadium... Into the the overarching plot of this, uh, whether it's as a you know it, it's the the secret hideout of your heroes, the secret hideout of your villains, um, a total red herring. You have to incorporate Three River Stadium in somehow. I mean, if you're in if you're playing in Pittsburgh, it's kind of a thing. So <laughs> I'm sure you're already thinking that. Though. I'm trying to think if there's anything else about modern setting. Oh, uh, accountability. I mean, yeah, a superhero game is a little bit different, but uh, there is accountability. I mean, we live in a, a land of laws, and then there's, you, you know, you do something loud and illegal. Yeah, someone is going to call the police. Yeah, and there's only a matter of time before they show up. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on how how true to now society you want to you want to cleave. Um, it you know there there some people what they love most is to tear people off of pedestals, um, and I mean that figuratively, not literally. I'm all in favor of tearing actual things off of pedestals, uh, <laughs> but. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it just, you know, one, do they, they go back and find something that you said 10 years ago on the internet oh, yeah. you know, or, or in a private conversation? It's like, well, this one time he said that, you know, French fries are un American. Right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, okay, so he's, you know, so, you know, how, how you want to incorporate that into, I mean, part of, part of setting. Part of setting is times. Part of setting is zeitgeist, and incorporating that not just the geography, but but the 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 culture of the time and place that you're yeah. in is a huge aspect of that. So, or you may want a slightly more utopian concept for your superhero game, and therefore you have like more like Metropolis, or you might want a slightly more dystopian feel for your game, in which case you have Gotham City. Right. Oh, it's Carl. I'm like, what am I? Why am I hearing beeping? Backing up. Right. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Michael, for the email. Appreciate it. And on to (laughs) in the chat, James suggests that MeWe could be a real site. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Social media is kind of its own NPC. Yeah, it absolutely is. is. Yeah. Yeah. The whole internet is kind of its own. Exactly. Right. All right. Uh, why some GMs are lousy players? That's actually my editorializing. Okay. All right. From so. Aimless. Hi guys. So I'm kind of new to DMing. As a player, my experience with was with a DM whose campaigns were basically a script. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I, I've I've known that I've known that GM. If we, the players, didn't do what the DM wanted, then he would have had then he would have one of his old wizard characters appear as an NPC and magically whisk all the players to a room with no windows and no doors until we agreed to do what the DM wanted. So, flash forward, I'm the DM for a campaign that I spent months putting together. It was an open world pirate campaign. Mm, pirates. Cool. Yee. Everything is better with pirates. Mm-hmm. I drew up maps with areas that had interactions, all the monsters printed out and put into my folder. Basically, the world played like a game of Elder Scrolls Oblivion. Okay. Uh, I had the main countries in the middle of a war, thus they Mm -hmm. were hiring pirates as independent contractors. Ah, that makes them privateers. That's right. (laughs) Some Legitimacy. (laughs) Letters of Mark. Uh, some materials were harder to come by because kings were hoarding them for their armies, etc. No, that never happens. Of course. Now, keep in mind, <clears throat> pirates. 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 I told the players they could do literally anything they wanted, their characters could be anything they wanted, as long as they could give a solid reason why that character would be working with the party, but given that a lot of pirates and, crudes, and crew were freed slaves, very little couldn't be worked out. This was their story. I was just there to give plot points. That so far sounds yep. So far, so good. Now, the previous DM that I had mentioned is playing in this campaign. Let's call them Person A. Person A wanted mithril armor. Okay, I, I, if you're gonna give someone a, a fictitious moniker, yeah, 
Give him a name, not person A. I mean, that's too close to persona. It is. <laughs> so, what's a good name that starts with an A? Abercrombie. Abercrombie. We'll call him Amber. Aber- Abercrombie. Abercrombie. Okay, Abercrombie. Him or her? His, it's him? all. Uh, Does huh? it say? Is it him or her? Uh, no, but we'll find out. Okay. Uh, <laughs> them. Yes. Abercrombie. Right. Abercrombie <clears throat> wanted mithril armor. I explained that none of the shops sell mithril because orders from the kings. It's hard to come by and and hard to work. So, until the end of the war, no one could purchase mithril. That's reasonable. Uh, sure, absolutely. One of the kings had tried to hire the party to work for them. Abercrombie was still crying about mithril armor. The king said that they worked for him. He would provide them with reasonable armor of their choice, including mithril. Abercrombie cried about mithril, and the party decided against accepting um, against accepting the king's offer because of Abercrombie. Player B, hmm, I named the last one Bartholomew. Bartholomew, that's a good pirate name. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. Exactly, Bartholomew mentioned maybe robbing the armory in the middle of the night. Hey, larceny. Exactly. Very PC. Piracy. Piracy. <laughs> land pirates. Land pirate. Land, land pirate. <laughs> Abercrombie still cried. Literal tears. <laughs> Literally cried. Literally cried. Actual tears. Actual tears streaming down his face. Their face. About mithril armor. They didn't rob the armory. This went on for several sessions, with Abercrombie crying because they couldn't purchase Mithril, and that I was being unreas- an unreasonable DM and didn't know what I was doing, obviously, obviously. <laughs> and that it's in the books as something that can be purchased from any shop, so they oh, should be able to buy it no matter what. What the fuck? <sighs> then proceeded to spend the next several sessions just talking about the campaign they wanted to run that oh. everyone would have fun doing, oh. because Abercrombie wasn't having fun with this campaign. Passive aggressive. That's not even so all that awesome. passive. No, <laughs> it isn't. That's actively aggressive. It's shitty passive aggression. You're, you're <laughs> shitty as a player and also shitty as a passive aggressive person. Uh, you're, you're 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 giving a bad name to passive aggressiveness. Yes, <laughs> that's that's saying something. Um, the rest of the players were having a blast exploring. They glitched a lich. They glitched a lich into thinking it was stone and tied it to the mast of the ship, knocked on the door of the ne- of a nest of hydra with a cannon blast, <coughs> impregnated half a village, rescued a kidnapped princess, and then forgot they had her, so they kidnapped a kidnapped princess. What? <laughs> okay. I mean, th- and this whole time, Abercrombie was obsessed with Mithril. <coughs> Was I wrong to not just give it to him so he would stop crying, even though it went against the storyline I had established? In my head, it made sense that kings would hoard material for their armies in times of, basically, a world war. Yes, that is... That of course is, they abs- do. Yes, of course. Rationing and in total war, absolutely. So they wouldn't be able to purchase certain things. But pirates? I mean, just steal the mithril and move on, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, just your your fucking pirates. Just steal it. What about what is it about pirates that you don't understand? No, I, I It's like I totally didn't see those ninjas over there. Right. There is a bigger <laughs> problem here. And that bigger problem is you have someone who is GMing who doesn't want anyone else GMing. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> I have a feeling that's yeah. what your real problem is. You have you have a control freak who is not in control. So to answer your direct question about the mithril, I don't think that matters. No. You could have given it to them. They would have probably have found something else that they absolutely hated about the campaign, and it should end immediately, and there should start. Yeah. It yeah. seems to me yeah, I w- I, that's your real problem. That that, that I'm yeah. reading a lot into it, but yeah, from what I you're mean, describing. That's kind of what we're we're asked to do here is read between the lines. Right, so, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think Stu's 100% right there. And I don't know I've ever used those words before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the thing is, it is difficult when you GM, especially if you GM a lot. Like, I, I mean, 99% of my game time is GMing. I mean, you're probably in a similar boat. I mean, it may not be case, quite that high, but rec- I mean, recently. But uh, overall, I'd probably say it's cl- for me. It's closer to sixty forty. Okay. Um, but the, but you when when you end up GMing, especially if you GMed for a while, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, I'm gonna take a break and I'm gonna play in a game. Oh, it's Sometimes hard it, to shut that brain off. Right. It gets real hard because it, it. First off, there's a couple things that you do. One. You're second guessing the other GM, yeah, and you can't help it. I mean, your brain yeah. is just going to go there. The second yeah. thing is, you start playing like a GM plays, which is in some games is okay. Like certain games where you have like where where uh, the storytelling part of the game is extremely collaborative, like PBTA games and stuff like that, where where uh, narrative control is one is part of the game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In those fate cases, also fate is another one that's like that. Narr- right. narrative. When you're you're specifically working with the the mechanics of the game to tell the story, right? Yeah, that and and the the what, it, those kinds of games a little bit different. But I mean, like your, your regular sort of top down GM player game, like Dungeons and Dragons or things like that, or yeah. you know most traditional games, right? Sometimes you're playing. At least I find that I end up playing, doing things that I think the GM would appreciate. Like having my character do things that the GM would appreciate to throw them stuff, rather mm-hmm. than necessarily playing the way my... You know what I'm saying? Yes, rather I than do, because reacting I've, because I've run a game that you were a player in, so I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, it's not exactly backseat GMing. It's, that isn't. Right. That is not. That is giving your GM a gift, and that's fine. Um, uh, along with uh, high quality whiskey, that is <laughs> fine for giving right. as gifts to GMs. Um, but um, yeah, but sometimes you just do. Uh, you you can't help but turn. You you can't. You can, literally you just can't turn that GM brain off, and you you're looking at everything from a tactical point of view or you're looking at everything from okay I understand you know, like I understand how narrative arcs work and therefore if we do this then it's probably going to this is what he's develop. probably got in this mind, is probably right? what he's got yeah. in mind and you're like you said second guessing the GM whereas if you're really trying to ple- be the player and embody the character you should be lo- you, you you want to be Looking at the situations through the eyes of that character and through the intelligence score of that character, right? Um, and not you know, like I have encyclopedic knowledge of the monster manual or you know whatever it is, and and I have as GM had players who were more along the, that that second line and used that to their uh, detriment, right? Used their encyclopedic knowledge of the game 
to make them uh, uh, to 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 uh, uh, just create more tension for them. Like you're walking along through this cavern, or to their characters, to their characters. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're walking through this cavern, and you realize that it's almost perfectly circular and about ten foot, maybe twelve foot in diameter, and the the walls are just ground smooth. And my player was like, shit, 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 we're in a worm burrow, shit, shit. <laughs> right. I'm like, was there a purple worm in that game? No. <laughs> no, there was not. But he thought there would be. Right. <laughs> because of what I described. Right. There's a name, what do they call it? There's a name, it, it, around volcanoes, there's a name for it. Like yeah, lava tubes. Lava tubes, yeah. right. It wasn't a lava tube. It, oh, okay. was, it was a worm burrow. It just there wasn't a worm there. Right. Oh, there, there had been <laughs> long years times ago. ago. Yeah, a long time ago. But yeah, I mean, there, there. Yeah, it could have been a lava tube. That that is a totally uh, reasonable uh, explanation. Except that they weren't anywhere near a volcano or sea, sea line. Right. But, but yeah, I mean, that that could have also made that kind of uh, of track. But that's not where his brain went. No, because he was in D and D brain. Yeah, of course. Right. right. Yeah, and, and the, the the thing is, what we're describing here are, are are still GMs who want to play. Yeah, what you're describing in your letter is not a GM who wants to play. No, it's a GM who has been it, who has very reluctantly given up the reins of control for the game, and is now regretting that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say that he originally agreed to the game probably because he likes hanging out with his friends. Okay, cool. Yeah, right. um, but he he can't shut off that. He just can't shut off that 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 part of his brain that insists on being um, the, the being in control. Right, and I mean, and and you got a problem too because I mean, if if you're serious about literal like literally crying about not getting something in the game, there's a, there's a, also a deeper problem there. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, there there is something else in his life that he is not getting, and he's expressing it through not getting his mithril armor. Right. Um, and it could just be like like massive over the top control freak. I want to run be. my game again. Could be. Yeah. And and sure, certainly sounds like that, especially when the, the the topic of conversation switches. Oh, here's the new game I have planned. It's gonna be Monty Hall, and <laughs> everyone gets mithril. <laughs> that could be much better than this game. I don't know that I've ever actually played a Monty Hall game. <coughs> I ran um, one. Did you? Well, yeah, when I was like, like nineteen seventy-eight or seventy-nine, it was like in junior high school. And we, we, yeah, we had. I'm not going to comment about how old I was then. <laughs> so, <laughs> but there, it was like when we first started playing. It's like more is better, right? That's the way you think when you when first start. Because it's like you play a couple sample dungeons out of the book. We got a couple modules. Played yeah. played through those. Playing through them half-assed anyway, yeah. because you know we're we're just half-assing everything. And then I'm like, I'm going to make a mega dungeon, right? <laughs> so I make this dungeon a hundred levels, and I did, did yeah. I had sheets and sheets of of, of uh, graph paper and little notes written everywhere, and like you kill this thing, you get a million gold pieces. <laughs> oh yeah, I did that. It was awesome, and we're like you would le- during the course of the dungeon, you probably leveled up to like. Uh, 15th or 16th level or something. <laughs> From one, you know. Yeah. And this is like one or two players. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have to split the XP quite as far, then. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. And, and at that time, I mean, 
gold was XP. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. But uh, it was... I don't know. You've got you've got other problems here besides just whether or not you gave the guy Mithril. And that, that is... I don't think that would have helped. I lost internet. So, I did not. Good. You did, it's good that you didn't. <laughs> All right. All and right. And you have, you have a, a contribution for our... Yes, I do. Fortunately, I already have it pulled up here, so I don't need to have access to the internet. Let me get... Pull up that uh, shared document so you can just copy-paste and not have to type. Um, so I have a, 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 a something I brought in in the early part of the game that I've been running for the last year and a half, mm-hmm. and it's as far as I know, it's done for, for my game, so here, have it right. for your game. For, <laughs> ha- have it for the, the world. Uh, it's an artifact. Okay. I'm calling it the Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. The artifact appears to be a metallic cube about one foot on each side. If planted in non-arable soil, the region will become viable, even bountiful farmland, within a gold month. Okay. This, harkening back to last week's, right. what a gold month is. See last week's. Um, the effect extends to a radius of ten miles around the cube. Wow. Local weather and even climate patterns will shift, if necessary, to provide sufficient and not excessive precipitation for the crops that are planted. Oh. Fields within the effect do not need to be rotated fallow. So if like, you, you plant rice, you're going to get a lot more rain in that area yep. as opposed to yep. kale. Yes. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and livestock who graze on the land within the area will not exhaust the, uh, the, the supply as well. Wow. Okay. However, beyond the 10-mile limit... The ability for the land to support any form of agriculture diminishes precipitously. This effect is worst adjacent to the 10-mile border, forming a distinct ring and clearly visible boundary. Okay. The extent of this dead zone, in, the, in terms of distance, depends on how drastic the difference is between the land where the artifact is planted from before its implantation and the current time. Okay. And as well as the degree of exploitation that those who work the land within the region employ. So the, mo- the more you work it, the worse it is outside of that. Area. The effect could extend for 100 miles in every direction, for instance, if you were to plant the artifact in a desert and grow nut trees around it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just take so much water. Um, as long as the cube stays in at least one, uh, stays at least. Oh, I didn't edit this one. As long as the cube stays at least one cubit underground, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll change that. <laughs> it's um, two feet, at least two feet underground. Um, not in clay, not clay or rocks, but but soil, um, in loose soil. So uh, the effects continue. To ensure that the artifact cannot cannot affect local land use, it needs to be completely encased in at least three inches of solid rock mm-hmm. or a foot of clay. Okay. So this is it for it to not have effect? For it to not affect the area around it, yeah. Okay. Um, I imagine that if you were to put it in, like, a metal or an iron box so that it was not in contact with earth... Mm-hmm. That would also probably nullify its effects. You hang it from something. You could get, yeah, you could hang it okay. from something so that it's not, yeah, um, so that it's not in direct contact with soil. Great strategic weapon, right? <laughs> I mean, 
<laughs> this could be, and 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 by the rainmaker, I do spell that R A I N, mm-hmm. but it could be an R E I G N sure. maker because you could turn not only your the, your own uh, blasted land into an Eden, but also everything around it into the moon. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, I like, I, I like the, I like the idea of it draws. Essentially, it draws <laughs> life force from around to feed right, right around uh, to, right, to, in its immediate vicinity. Right. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like it. I like it as a, uh, especially like it as a, as a strategic weapon. That oh, it's it's would be, it's would be exploited. I, I, it was it was a MacGuffin for me for the beginning of my campaign, um, and it was just like, okay, nobody should have this. We are, we're we're good guys. We realize that this is technically not an evil artifact. However, really, only evil people or very misguided good people would use this. So let's go find it and not allow it to be. <laughs> well, you, I mean, you could use it like in the middle of a vast desert. See, the way I think of it is. It has to pull from somewhere. But if it has a max distance, it can pull. I don't think it does. Oh, boy. Okay, never mind. (laughs) I I mean, play with it as you will, obviously, but I don't think it does. I think it has to pull from from, uh, uh, a life-giving area in order to replentify, uh, replenish, sorry, replenish a, 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 a a dead zone. Okay. So that means the effect would actually reach farther. Okay. Which would make it actually harder to find. <laughs> that's true. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but that's that's my interpretation of it. And I was trying to give his little interpretation, just just the facts, ma'am, um, uh, about, about it as, as best I could. Excellent. So, yeah. All right. Oh, we've got, um, like, as I said, I'm embargoing adding stuff to this myself right now because right because we had but we had because our elder medium uh, will be starting i not positive yet but we're looking probably october 3rd i think that's a sunday is when we're going to have our first, first yes camp, october 3rd is a, is a sunday is when you're going to have your first actual session because we had right, our, okay. we, we had session zero yeah you had your your, your character character creation. generation which and, uh i think one of your players didn't make it to you we don't yeah we're, we're we're having a we're having a casting issue right Mm. But uh, I've got three players with characters, and and right now everything's kind of in limbo scheduling wise until we get that fourth player nailed down. So. Somebody somebody suggests that this that the rainmaker would be a badass siege weapon. Oh fuck! <laughs> Hell yeah, it would be. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a good thought. Yeah. Or if you have a big enough city, an anti siege weapon. Yeah. <laughs> everyone's garden in the city is like blooming and yeah, exactly. tons of food and outside everyone's starving to death yeah. and they you have just, all of the farm build a wall. The you just build a wall at the 10 mile limit right <laughs> with the thing at the center <laughs> and and everything around it is it, it, you can't support a siege right wow that's you'd have to haul stuff in from 100 miles away well possibly i mean it, yeah. again it depends on how how good? Um, well, the more, and also the more you're growing, the more you're exploiting it. Yeah, the so, more it's pulling. So if, so if, if a responsible leader were to plant it in already arable land, already good harvest area, um, so that it wouldn't have to draw as much, 
to 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 um to keep his area good. Right. Um then it would <laughs> the nicest neighborhood in Mordor. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, if someone who was really responsible and it's like, now we can't overwork the land. We can't, you know, even though everything is bountiful, he actually cracks down on over-exploitation of agricultural resources sure. so that it doesn't spread its effect. That that could be actually a good way of, uh, a, a good, it's like alignment good way of utilizing this artifact that I had not actually ever considered. Right. <laughs> so I only thought about the bad ways of using it. That probably says more about me. My jamming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, love, wanted, I wanted to just sound like... All of our internet like, search history puts us on the list. Well, I, yeah, 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 just, you, I, I mean, the, the ga- I, I ran a game here that, that I essentially just, like... Here, here are satellite photos of the port of San Pedro, Long Beach, and here's the building that you're trying to uh, uh, you're trying to rob, and they're like, "This is just Google Earth." <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> this is <laughs> I, I, <laughs> this is all free applications that I downloaded, and can, you can get that good, <laughs> right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, early versions of Google Earth, they wanted to prove how how really, really good it was. They something something that is not as well known. They do uh, use lower res images than they could. Yes, uh, because they originally Google originally used very very high res images of their own campus mm-hmm. in uh, uh, in the, like the first edi- uh, first iteration to the point where you could read license plates. Oh boy, oh, <laughs> could read license plates of Google employees. On Google Campus, and it was like that—that that was the level of re- of resolution that was available. And then they're like, "Wait, hold on a second. This is a bad idea." Right. <laughs> they changed that out, <laughs> so you can't get that anymore. Right? Not then. That plus, I mean, that, that, not every, without hacking. Like, I, I don't know the Noah. How you? I, <laughs> I think everyone who installed Google Earth at some point went, "I want to look at Era Fifty One." Yep. Because like, like, oh yeah, and you, and you can. And, Except it's the resolution around most military bases yeah. is a lot lower than it yeah. is. It's like but I mean, if you want to look at if, if you want to look at all the various testing sites in Nevada, where you can just see craters over craters right. over craters, um, you know, yeah, you can you can see that for right. a little. Um, uh, I know I know that they have blurred out certain areas over time. Like I've seen blurry sections over Israel, mm-hmm. um, where like. Within hours, I just happened to check at the right time, and I'm like, "Oh, I see a smoke plume." Reload. Oh, I see blur. Right. Oh. So yeah, I mean th- things like that. Uh, they but the the tools that are available to just non hacker lay people, mm-hmm. <laughs> they will put you on a list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they will put you on a watch list. It's it's, uh, um, and I just don't worry about well, it. Well, it's like. Um I would, I, for a while, I was playing Microsoft Flight Simulator, mm-hmm. and the, the the latest version of it is extremely detailed. I've heard, yeah. So, like, I when I'm like, I want to fly through Pasadena. <laughs> so there's an airport. I can't remember where it is now. It's over by, it, it's on the other side of the uh, Santa Fe Dam. 
Okay. So it's like down the two ten. Just, just an airstrip down that way. Yeah. yeah, it's just a little small airstrip. Yeah, so not, we're like, not talking like Ontario no. Airport or anything. Just a small. No, I didn't take up from commercial. Ontario. Just a small uh, uh, commercial airstrip. Yeah, yeah like Claremont. Or yeah, one of those cities. Private airstrip. Or not so private. I took off from there, and I'm like, I'm just going to follow the two ten. I want to see my house. Sure. Of course, I wrecked before I could saw my house. Well, yeah. Because I wasn't paying attention to the altitude. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, 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 you got to watch that altimeter. But the uh, <laughs> fascinating thing is, is I'm going along. And I can see landmarks, and it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm near Lake right now, because I can see this church spire or whatever. Right. And because you know Pasadena, because you know your hometown. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, and then, and then it's like, I'll go over, oh, look, there's Vallarta, and there's my Starbucks. And <laughs> yeah, sure. It's just amazing. It's yeah. amazing, that shit. Yeah. All right. I mean, it's, uh, they, they, the, the degree of verisimilitude they want to put into these things, and they, they have... Only the best intentions in mind. Sure. Um, but it, it, it does it does get a little... When, when, when you think of it from a perspective of what could someone nefarious do with this kind of information, right. it does get a little... Oh, shoot. <laughs> not well, it's, that it's any like, of our listeners or watchers would ever do that. Yeah. Of course not. Of course not. All right. Um, let's go ahead and call it now. Short episode, wow. Yeah, what it is a little Well, I didn't get into an argument with anyone. That's true. There's no one here to get into an argument. Well, there's stork. There's you. You can try it. I could have gotten in an argument with Stu. I suppose. Gerp sucks. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, I, I should talk about the, the so so it looks like the game is probably gonna start sometime around October third if everything works out the way the way I think it is. So and now I've got three of my four players, so I kinda have an idea. Because players tell you kind of what they're looking for by yeah. the kind of characters they make a little yeah. bit. So, and and, it, and I had to up the the point totals because I, I kind of kind of always been a hard ass about point to- character point totals. And I start yeah. with 100 points, 35 points in disads, and five points in quirks. Boom! Mm-hmm. It's been that way since I played the second edition. And uh, the people there, like Chris, was trying to make a character who's a mate. Mages are a little hard to make on low points like that. Yeah. She's trying to make a character, because you, you still have, I mean, especially with <clears throat> one of the sort of game balance things they do with mages, because mages can change reality, mm-hmm. is you don't really have a dump stat, per se. Right. Because yeah, in that version. Yeah. Because, because you, you, have to, you, you have to have both your decks high and your IQ high. Depending on what kind of magic you do. Yeah. Right. She wanted to be able to throw fireballs. You got to be able to hit with the fireball, which is a dex-based skill, right? And of course, you also <laughs> want your what is it, health, to be fairly high so that uh, you don't die. I think it, I can't remember <laughs> if it's health or strength, but it's fatigue. Yeah, which is used to be based on strength, and I'm not sure it might be based on health now. I'm not sure. I have to look. But um, and, and th- those are your spell points. Mm-hmm. So you've got of your four stats, yeah. three of them are important. Yeah. So you could use that other one as a <clears throat> as a as a dump stat, but. If it's health, that's keeping you alive. And if it's strength, yeah, you can do that as long as you never want to use a weapon. And, but she, she, <laughs> yeah. she also wanted to be able to be like decent in, in melee. Mm. Uh, okay, so not great, yeah. but just decent. Um, so it was tough. I ended mage. up having to sword mage of some sort. Kind. Well, she was using a staff, over. Yeah, and but she she took. Um, I had to up everyone's characters' points because everyone was. I'm like they're like. Uh, uh, Jay was sitting there. He's like erasing and writing again, racing, like trying to get old. Yeah. Squeeze as much as he can oh, out yeah. of his points. I mean, any any point by system, you're always going to do that, right? 
But I just, I'm like, you know what? Why don't you all just take an extra 25 points? Because clearly, <laughs> clearly, it's yeah, been a while since I've run it. Well, I mean, and it's just, it's just, it's a little, little tough. Yeah. I, the other thing, though, is that I mean, even in in Magic users in general are in across pretty much all systems that I can think of as as starting characters are are pretty weak and I don't just mean like low hit points they're they're just fairly they they, they do not have they do not come out of the gate strong right um uh you know it's it's something you have to build over time I mean you know the, the classic D&D example you know, first level wizard you get according to the current edition two spell slots right at first level first level spell slots uh, you know three cantrips, and you know like a grand total, I think, of four spells, right? Other, other than your cantrips, um, and uh, oh, I'm sorry, six. Sorry, I'm just reading the rules here. Spell book containing six first level wizard spells of your choice. So right. you get you know six spells. You can cast two of them per day, mm-hmm. and then you cantrips, which are you know, but she, the- but but over time, you build that character. So I mean, if she wants to have been a, and I'm not, I'm, I'm really not trying to tell Chris how to play her character because she is a tiny Viking and she will smite me. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, pick one to start and build it over time. Right. Right. Um, well, see, I mean, she, the character she built could cast like a nine die fireball. That's huge. In three, it would take three seconds for her to do it. Okay. But then she would pass out. Because <laughs> that's okay. All right, oh, almost yeah, all of her fatigue. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But a nine die fireball, and, and, and for the the, stu- the the type of stuff that you're likely to encounter in at, at the, le- the the level that you're at, huh. um, that would probably end the combat. Yes. Oh, absolutely. That yeah. would probably. Now, end it's the not com- an exploding fireball. It's just a regular no, I, plain old fireball. I understand, but I mean, mm-hmm. unless you're going up against like a hundred fire methods. Or something, you know, that are all immune to fire. Right. <laughs> it's like, well, shit. Uh, now what? <laughs> but I mean, it, she packs a wallop, but glass cannon. I mean, that's the whole yeah. that's the whole concept of wizards. Right. They are glass cannons. So, and it'll be interesting to see what happens because Stork's character is a mage, also mm-hmm. not a combat character. He's right. an investigative mage. Right. So he's got I, all the meta spells, all the information yeah. spells. Yeah. I, which I need to read up on again because it's been a while since. <laughs> I mean, all the mages that have ever been in any of my games are always like the, boom, yeah. you know, they're like mortars. Yeah. They're yeah, walking exactly. mortars. I have a, a player in my current game who, uh, he started as a sorcerer, and then he started multiclassing to paladin. Mm-hmm. Both charisma class characters, so, sure. you know, it makes sense, right? Um, but as he's been progressing, he, you know, getting more and more hit points than a sorcerer would get, he's wearing full plate armor now, and can still cast sorcerer spells. Right. And, um... But it's like I'm not a glass cannon anymore. I'm a glass tank, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> which, yeah. which, of course, immediately thought like you're full of fish. <laughs> there you go. He's an aquarium. <laughs> exactly. All right. I'm going to call it. Okay. Wrong one. There you go. Woo! Well, Thank you for joining us for Season 29, Episode 3 of Happy Chickens Review Podcast. My name is Stu. And my name is Kurt. And we'll see you next time. Uh, no, we won't be there next week, because I'm going to be at uh, Idlewild Renaissance Fair. and then uh, But the week after, so we'll see you in two weeks. 
Saturday, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Thank you very and if much. You, oh, and if you happen to be in the Idlewild area, go see the Poxy Boggards. You should go see the Poxy Boggards. And if Idlewild. you happen to be in the Vegas area uh, the weekend of the 15th, 16th, 17th, I think it was something, 16th, 17th, October. 18th of October, mm-hmm. if you happen to be in the Las Vegas area, come see Sportive Tricks at the Las Vegas uh, Age of Chivalry Renaissance Festival. Excellent. Right. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time. program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.